East Side Baptist Church. We have we thoroughly enjoyed our time here thus far. You all are very friendly, warming people. And let me get my mic on. I think I might have it muted, honestly. Let me fix that real quick. Yes, I do. I have it muted. All right, there we go. I'm good to go. All right. Well, it's good to be here at Eastside Baptist Church. But uh, real quick, let's go ahead, take your Bibles this morning, and we will go uh, to start at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses uh, 35 through 38 is where we are going to start this morning. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, what we see going on in the Scripture is that Jesus Christ... He is talking to his uh, disciples um, concerning something that happened at Galilee. And uh, what we see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, is that uh, Jesus, he's giving a a certain command to the disciples uh, to do. But before we get into Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, uh, the main thing I want to talk about this morning is that we have a commission as Christians. We have a commission as Christians, and I know that uh, Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20, we'll get there in a little bit. We know that that is where the commission uh, is found, uh, but what we are going to see in Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, is that Jesus Christ, he's telling us uh, to do something specific as well uh, with the Great Commission. But in today's day of age, in today's day of age, it seems like what we're seeing in Christianity is that the gospel is not being carried out the way it should be. We're seeing that the gospel is not being carried out the way it should be. And just to give some uh, statistics to go with it, um, from the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, their associate director, uh, Steve Bender, uh, he said that 51, so that's half, 51% of churchgoers have never heard what the Great Commission even is. 51% of churchgoers, that means regular attendees, they've never heard what the Great Commission is. 25% knew that it existed, but they couldn't define what it was, leaving only 17% who knew what the Great Commission was, and they could explain it. Only 17% knew what it was, and they could explain it. Further on, a man by the name of Aaron Earls, he says that 55% of churchgoers have not shared the gospel once in the past six months. He says 55% of churchgoers have not shared the gospel once in the past six months. And he later found in his studies that only 3% have at least shared the gospel 16 times in the past six months. Only 16 times, 3% of those churchgoers have at least shared the gospel 16 times in the past six months. And this is perhaps one of the most startling statistics coming up that I've ever seen in my life. One third of the world has never heard the name of Jesus before. Now, if you take that number, the specific number of the world population is 7.753 billion people. So if you take one third of that, what you are seeing is that 2.6 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus once in their life. 2.6 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus once in their life. And not only that, but 70, 70% of evangelicals 
never knew that statistic even, even existed. 70% of evangelicals never knew this statistic existed. It sounds like, and we know that numbers don't lie, unless if you're a government official and you make your own numbers up, but we also know that numbers don't lie. And what the numbers are telling us is that us Christians today, we may not be doing our job as well as we should be doing it as Christians. As we stand this morning to honor God's word, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, Jesus Christ, he gives uh, this command. And in verse 35, what it says in Matthew 9, 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's bow for prayer real quick. Lord, we're thankful for the morning you've given us, your grace, your mercy in our lives. And God, as we get into your word today, Lord, we know as Hebrews 4.12 says that your uh, word is quick and sharp and powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And God, we know that your word pierces. We know, Lord God, that your word is convicting. And God, I pray that this morning as you speak to us, and I'm thankful, Lord, uh, be your vessel uh, as you speak to us this morning. But God, as you speak to us this morning, I pray, Lord, that we open our hearts to you, that we listen attentively, that we apply what you have for us today. And God, however you speak to us to move uh, when we leave today, Lord, I pray that we would do so. Lord, I remember a missionary once saying that every time you leave the church house, you're entering the mission field. And I pray, God, that we remember that, that as we are in here hearing your word and applying it to us, I pray, God, that as we head out today, we remember that we are now entering the mission field. We give you all praise, glory, and honor, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We see in verse 35 that Jesus Christ... He was ministering to those in Galilee. He was preaching to the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, preaching what was to come, preaching that his return would be soon after his death, preaching that he would raise from the dead. And he was preaching that the good news is that you could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to be your savior. He was preaching the gospel. But then we see further on in, in the verses, in verse uh, 36, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Now there's some takeaways that we can uh, get from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. There's three uh, takeaways I see specifically. And the first one is that Jesus, when he moved, he moved because he had compassion. We see that verse 36 is that vital key for it. He says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion on them. We can go in the Bible and we see where Jesus says, uh, this new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And then we see later in those verses, he says that the world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. See, when we see Jesus Christ operate in the Bible, when we see him operate throughout all the New Testament, we always see that the vital key to his movement was that he had compassion on the multitudes. 
He had compassion on the multitudes. But not only that, but then we get to the juice of this command. And the juice of this command is that he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. See, Jesus Christ, he was preaching all amongst Galilee. He was healing and he was having compassion on those sick and on the multitudes. And yet he looked out to the multitude and he spoke to his disciples and he said, look at this multitude. The multitude is plenteous. The multitude is huge. Look at all these people that want to hear the gospel. Look at all these people that want to believe on the name of Jesus. But guess what? The laborers are few. The laborers are few. And then he says further in that area of Scripture, he says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth the laborers into his harvest. Now we know our God is a God that keeps to his promises. When he makes a promise in the Bible, he keeps to it. We see in Romans 10, 13, perhaps one of the greatest promises in Scripture. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you could take that verse to the bank. You could see in that verse that God signed a contract saying that if you, a lost person, calls upon the name of the Lord, believes on him, he says in his process, he says that thou shalt be saved. And it's a whosoever too. It's open to anyone. It's a whosoever. So then he says in Matthew 9.38 with the promise, he says the command, he says uh, the, the harvest truly is plenteous, the laborers are few, and then he makes his command by saying, you need to pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, and then he makes a promise saying that he will send forth the laborers into his harvest. And folks, the harvest truly is plenteous. We learned in Sunday school this morning that it's definitely plenteous in Canada with six million people. But this morning, yes, I talked about Canada in Sunday school, but I want to talk about your mission field this morning. I want to talk about your community this morning. I want to talk about your mission field that God has commissioned you to. I can think of a quote uh, from a very old-time preacher, and let me read it to you, because uh, when, I, when I quote people, I don't want to go off in memory. I want to make sure I get their quote right. But this preacher once said, that you don't need a call when you have a command given to you. You don't need a call when you have a command given to you. And we know that command is Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. That that command is that we need to go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. For lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. We know we've been given that command to bring the gospel to the uttermost, to the highways and the byways, compelling them to come in. But unfortunately, we are seeing that we are not going the way we should be going. We are not going out the way we should be going out. And as we read in the statistics, especially with the knowledge that 70% of this world so, or let me re-say that, one-third of the world has never heard the name of Jesus. 33% of the world has never heard the name of Jesus. 2.6 billion people, if the Lord was to come uh, to take us home right now during the rapture, 
If that were to happen right now, we could already safely say 2.6 billion people would be left during the tribulation. That's a very scary statistic to think about. And honestly, it's a statistic that ought to, ought to make us upset to the stomach. Because as Christians, as children of God, sometimes we have forgotten that the main thing is the main thing that we need to take the gospel to the lost. And many Christians today have forgotten the main thing. And what's sad is that many Christians could hear this, but it does nothing to them. It does nothing to them. Obviously, as Christians, this is a startling thing to think about. It's a startling thing to think about. That 2.6 billion people, they could split the gates of hell wide open. Easily could split the gates of hell wide open because they've never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. They've never heard it before. And so that's why Jesus makes that command. To pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And now here's the deal. We see in this area of scripture that Jesus strictly commands that we need to pray for laborers. We need to pray for more pastors to start churches. We need to pray for more men to be called in the ministry. We need to be praying for more families to surrender to missions, to go to the highways and the byways, to go to the uttermost. We need to be praying that God will continue to send more laborers. And not only that, but you can pray for your local church that God would continue to give laborers to your local church. We can pray that God will continue to give Eastside Baptist Church more hands on deck to serve the Lord. We can pray in that manner because he promises, he says that when we pray for that and when we ask of that, God says he will send forth laborers to his harvest. And I can think in Matthew chapter 7 during the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus Christ, he says that you can ask and ye shall receive. Now we know the book of James, it later on says ye uh, have, you ask and you receive not because ye consume upon your lust of the flesh. But what we're asking right here in Matthew 9.38, you cannot consume it upon the lust of your flesh. Because this right here is asking God to perform a miracle by sending forth more labors into the harvest. This is a uh, prayer asking God to ultimately glorify his name. Because as he sends out more laborers to preach the name of Jesus, his name is ultimately being glorified. So no way in any circumstance can this be consumed upon the lust of the flesh. No way in any circumstance. Because this prayer ultimately points to God being glorified. This verse ultimately points to God being glorified. But the main thing we need to understand this morning is this. Yes, we can pray for laborers. That's good. That's amazing. And God commands it. But now Matthew chapter 10 comes. Now Matthew chapter 10 comes. See, we know Matthew 9, 35 through 38, which is, to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers unto his harvest. We know that area of scripture, and we know it very well. But now Matthew chapter 10 comes. And Matthew chapter 10 says, And when he called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Verses 2 through 4, we see uh, the apostles that are listed. And then as soon as he lists those twelve apostles... Watch what he does in verse 5. 
See, in Matthew 9, 35-38, he tells them to pray for laborers. But now in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, God sends them into the harvest. He says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now we know in the book of Acts that the gospel it was opened up to the Gentiles, and we know that point. But during this time of age, it was uh, strictly to the lost sheep of Israel is what Jesus was commanding. We know that, we understand that. But the disconnect we have as Christians is that we see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, we see, yeah, God, I can do that. I can pray for more laborers. I can get at my bedside at nighttime and bow on my knees and look up to you, God, and I can ask for more laborers. I can do that. But then we have the huge disconnect where we see in Matthew 9, we pray for laborers, but in Matthew 10, we're commissioned. There's a huge disconnect that we often leave disconnected, and we do not connect them the way we should. Because, yes, we need to pray for laborers, but guess what? Then Matthew 10 comes, and Jesus says, okay, you've prayed, now go. You've prayed for laborers, now you go. I can think of the mission conference in 2021 when God first started working on my heart for missions because the the years before when we had a missions conference every year when we had all these missionaries coming in sharing their burden for their mission field and sharing how desperately lost that certain country would be I could always think at the end they would always say something on the matter of who is the next missionary from Bible Baptist Church Mount Orb who is going to answer the call next? Who is going to go to the highways and byways? Who's going to go to their community and bring the gospel to them? And at that time, as every year passed on, hearing that same thing, I remember my response always. I'd look out around the congregation and I'd think, yeah, who's going to do that? Which one, which one of you are going to do that? Which one of you are going to do that? But it never came to my mind that Jesus was saying, you're going to do that. You're going to do that. And see, something about the Great Commission, something about the Great Commission is that when we as Christians begin looking to other people or pointing fingers saying, are you going to share the gospel or not? Are you going to do it? Are you going to go out? We often forget that the finger is supposed to be pointing at us. And Jesus Christ is, is saying, no, you need to go out. You need to go out. Something we need to remember about the Great Commission, about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll go ahead and turn there real quick, but Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is where we see that Great Commission, where we see that Jesus Christ has commissioned us uh, to share the gospel. Um, but Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20 what it says this morning, Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20, we know our Savior is speaking. Actually, we'll go to verse 18 to get that follow-up. But verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world 
Amen. And then we could think of Mark 16, 15, where it says uh, to take the gospel into every creature. We also can think of Mark 16 and 15 in that manner. But what we need to understand in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20 is that Jesus Christ, he isn't pointing... Uh, he isn't saying that you and you and you specifically go share the gospel. He's pointing the finger right at the disciples, right at the apostles, and right at the dear reader saying, you go and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are commissioned to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are commissioned to the lady in the aisle 20 at Kroger. You are commissioned to share the gospel to the lost. Because you, we, we have the news that can utterly change one's eternity for the rest of their life. And the sad thing is, although we have this great news that could totally change someone's eternity forever, unfortunately, many Christians today, they take it, they apply it to themselves, Yes, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but then they hide that good news in their heart and they never share it again. And yet we have the news that could change their course forever. We have the news that could take a drug addict straight out of drug addiction and have them on course for eternity if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the good news that could uh, take a teenager who's been bound by the sin of homosexuality for years in high school, and then they hear the love of Jesus. They hear that Jesus died for them. They hear that Jesus rose from the dead for them. They hear that they could call upon the name of the Lord. They hear that they could believe on Him, and thou shalt be saved. And they could hear that good news, and they could totally dismiss the sin that they were in, because the blood has cleansed it, and they could totally dismiss it, and they could be on their way to heaven for all eternity. But the problem is we have many lost that are not in that manner because we have many Christians today who are hiding that good news that is meant for them. I'm thankful that when I was 14 years old, this good news was not hidden from me. I'm thankful for the man that led me to the Lord. He didn't hide it in his heart and think, well, God, you'll send someone else to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Certainly, you're not going to use me. But I'm thankful that that man, he took the time. He remembered what he's been called to do. He remembered what he's been commissioned to do as a Christian. And he took the time. He shared the gospel with me. And I believed it to be true. And I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And I'm sure you all can also think of that time when you had a dear child of God take the time with you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you asked him to be your savior and as the promise is by God thou shalt be saved. And I'm sure as you guys are thinking about that you're thinking how thankful you are that they did not hide it in their heart, that they did not hide it from the rest of this lost world, and that they opened it up to you and shared it with you, that they shared it with you. We have many Christians that hide the gospel in their hearts. We have many who are simply not going out. And we also have many Christians who are very slothful with the Great Commission. We have many Christians who would rather sit and watch the game than go out and lead the lost. We have many Christians who may see a lost person in the aisle at Kroger, but then they listen to Satan when he says, no, you're going to totally embarrass yourself. We have many Christians who could, they could have, they should have, and they would have, but they did not. 
We have many Christians today who have become couch potatoes sitting on the couch, sitting wherever they are, and simply saying, God, this is correct. We need more laborers. We need to send more people out, so who are you going to send? And we have many of them who are not even looking to themselves and knowing that they have been commissioned to share the gospel, that they have been commissioned to go out to the lost and compel them to come in. And folks, we need to remember today that God did not commission us to sit on the couch. God commissioned us to go get the lost. He commissioned us to go get the lost. So now the question comes, what are ways, Corey, that I can keep the commission going? What are ways, what are things that I can do to make the Great Commission going? What are ways that I can serve the Lord in the way that He has uh, commissioned me to? What are the ways that I can fulfill Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20? What are ways that I can do that as a child of God? What are ways I can do that? Well, first off, one way you can do it is obviously Matthew 9, 35 through 38. You can pray that God would send laborers to the harvest, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. Because the next thing you can do is that you yourself can go out. Well, Corey, I, I don't have eloquence of speech. I, I stumble upon my words. Well, so did Moses. So did Moses, and God used him. Well, Corey, I, I don't think I can do it because I'm, I mean, what, what, if they, what if they say no? Well, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to Jesus Christ. Well, Corey, what if... You know, what if something happens to me? What if I mess up on the words? I mean, I, I know what I need to say, but just what if I mess up on the words? Well, the book of Matthew says that Jesus Christ will give you the same words in that very hour as to what you need to say. And not only that, but if worse comes to worse, just share what Jesus Christ did in your life. Just share what Jesus Christ did in your life. There's times that when I've gone soul winning, when I've... Uh, had the blessing to lead souls to Christ, there's times that I've just simply shared with them what the Lord has done for me. I grew up in church. I knew the Bible like the back of my hand. I had the head knowledge, but I had no heart knowledge of my Savior. And then when I was 14, I asked God at a youth activity, Lord, I need you to speak to me somehow in some way because there's just something off, and I don't understand what it is, but there's just something off about my life. And that's when God told me at that youth activity, you're absolutely right. There is something off about your life. You don't know me as your Savior. You don't know me as your Savior. You can quote the Ten Commandments, Corey. You can quote John 3.16. You know who killed Goliath. You know who the first two humans are that I created. But you don't know my son as your Savior. You don't know my son as your Savior. And you can share what happened to you in your life. You can share maybe if you were just totally entangled with the yoke of bondage and you could share with a lost person, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was entangled with sin. Maybe I was addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be, but now I found Jesus Christ and he has saved me. You could share your faith simply with them. But not only that, but to also keep that commission going, yes, you can pray that laborers are sent. Yes, you can yourself be a laborer because it is what you are commissioned to do. 
but you can also send missionaries out as well. Because we see in this area of scripture, it says to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We see that the commission is to go to all nations. So we know that not everyone is going to be called to be a foreign missionary to go to Guatemala or Japan or Canada. We know not everyone is. And we know that we can cover what God has commissioned us to, to our community. But when you send missionaries out, when you support missionaries, you also fulfill that commission to go to all the nations. And I can think of uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I'll turn there real quick. I can think of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where we see in God's word. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 as you all turn there this morning. I love this area of scripture because God is covering specific places that need the gospel. And he says in Acts 1.8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So concerning Jerusalem, because he says, You'll be wit- you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, that Jerusalem would be your town. That Jerusalem would be your town. So Maury, I think we're in Morristown, if I remember right. So Morristown, for Eastside Baptist Church, Morristown is the place. That is Eastside Baptist Church's Jerusalem, Morristown, Ohio. And then we get to all Judea. Your Judea is your state that you live in. Your Judea is Ohio. So once you reach Morristown, then you can spread to Ohio. And then once you spread to Ohio, then it says, and in Samaria, which your Samaria would be the United States of America. So now you're thinking, okay, so how do we cover that? That's when missions gets involved. For Ohio, you do church planting. And then when you get to the United States, that's when missions starts getting involved. You have missionaries to various states across the country, and then watch this. Samaria is your United States, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Unto the uttermost part of the earth. And one thing I love concerning missions, one thing I absolutely love concerning missions, is that when you support missionaries, And I literally mean this. I don't spiritualize it. I don't make it as an allegory or a metaphor. I literally mean it. But when you support missionaries, that missionary you're supporting, not only do they represent God, most importantly, but they represent your local church and the country they're going to. Their footsteps are footsteps of Eastside Baptist Church. The missionaries you support they represent you and they carry out the gospel for you. And I can think of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, um, as we go there, and when we were uh, reading in Sunday School Acts chapter 16, I, I had to underline this. Um, but if you all remember when we were reading in Sunday School how Paul, he was wanting to go to all these various countries, Asia Minor and Bithynia. He, was going to all the, he wanted to go to all these countries. He knew he needed to go these, to these countries. But the Holy Ghost shut the door. He shut the door. He shut the door. And finally, in my thinking, uh, brother, I was thinking, as we were reading, I was thinking, why would God want to shut the doors on those countries? They need the gospel. So why would he shut the doors? And I just caught it this morning 
that when he went to Macedonia, did you all catch that the capital is Philippi? Did you all catch that the capital is Philippi? This is, hu- this is a huge deal because watch this in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, this is the point I'm talking about, that when you support a missionary, they represent you in that country. They are a representative of not just Jesus Christ, but of Eastside Baptist Church in Morristown, Ohio. Watch what Paul says. He says in Philippians, he says in Philippians, he says in 4.15, Philippians 4.15, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul, who was a missionary, who was going from uh, country to country, who was going from city to city, he is saying that no church, no church ever reported to me, ever asked if we could help you financially, if we could help you in any way, shape, or form, except for the church of Philippi. The church of Philippi was the only one that reached out to Paul saying, Paul, how can we help you? But now watch this. He says, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. But then I love what Paul says. He says, not because I desire a gift. Paul, Paul wasn't getting this financial support because he desired a gift. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He wanted them to support him because he knew that if they did, they had a reward in heaven and that that fruit abounded to their account. So every missionary, you all support at Eastside Baptist Church, wherever they are across the globe, you have a part in that ministry. You have a part in that ministry, and that fruit is abounding to your account. And think of it this way. Someday when we all get to heaven, and I'm just throwing a what if out out there, but let's say you are supporting a missionary to Africa, just as an example, and you all get to heaven You've given the missions, and then you get to heaven, and you meet an African man, and he said, you I am thankful for because you supported the missionary that showed me the gospel. Without you, he could have never gotten to Africa. Think of all the souls that will come up to you someday in heaven thanking you that you had a part in missions thanking you that you had a part of missions, thanking you that you decided to support missionaries, that you decided to be a mission-minded church, that you decided that, yes, we need to get the gospel to Morristown, yes, we need to get it to Ohio, yes, we need to get it to the United States, but we also need to get it to the uttermost parts of the earth. And think of all the souls that will come up to you someday in heaven thanking you that if it was not for you, they would not be standing where they are today. Missions is such a beautiful picture. It is such a beautiful picture because we know that God ultimately, we know God could easily just show the world, hey, I'm God and you need to get saved. We know that God is almighty and all powerful, but yet we see that he does not do that. And I love the gospel. I love the Great Commission because what is awesome about it is I've always heard the words that it is better for someone else to brag about you than you yourself bragging about yourself. God could easily brag about himself. He could easily reveal to all the world right now as I'm speaking, I am God. But yet he chooses humans that he created to share the love of Jesus 
to brag on Jesus for what he's done to other humans he's created. That is beautiful. Taking humans to share the gospel, to share with other humans he's created, the good things that Christ has done for us. That is beautiful. But with closing thoughts this morning, with closing thoughts this morning, the main focal point that I want understood this morning in God's word, the main focal point I want understood is this. First off, it's our job. It's our job to reach the world. It's not the lost's job to reach the lost. It's going to be the blind leading the blind if we allow that. It's going to be the blind leading the blind. So it is our job. It is your job. It is my job to bring the gospel to the lost. And not only that, but another closing thought is that we need to remember that we have the light of the world. We have the light of the world in our heart. And we cannot allow the world and we cannot allow ourselves to hide the light. Especially with how dark this world is nowadays. If we're truly living for Christ, if we're truly living the gospel, our light is going to stick out like a sore thumb. With how dark this world is, our light ought to be sticking out like a sore thumb at this point. It ought to be brighter than anything imaginable. But with my last closing thought, we need to do our job. We need to do our job. It was the year 2007, I believe. I don't know how many of you all, how many of you all watch football or, in, or into it, but it was the year 2007, I believe, where there was a football team that was one game away from being undefeated, but they lost in the Super Bowl to the New York Giants. And that was Bill Belichick's New England Patriots. As good as they were, they lived to one motto. Do your job. Do your job. God has commissioned us with a job. He's commissioned us to bring the gospel to the lost. And so this morning, and each day we are blessed with, we need to do our job. Because this world is getting darker. It's getting a lot more depressing, but we have the love and we have the good news that could change one's eternity forever. I'm going to go ahead and pray this morning, and I'll hand it back over to your pastor. But as we pray this morning, I just want you all to take time for this. But every time I preach, I believe that a challenge always needs to be left. I believe a challenge always needs to be left. Because when God challenges our heart, the challenge always helps us to progress in our walk with Christ. We see time after time after time with heads bowed and eyes closed, we see time after time after time that the Bible always gives a challenge. It always gives a challenge. And so I believe a challenge would be very suiting for this morning. And as we head out of church this morning, as we head out, we sang, our, we sang praises to our Lord and Savior. We bragged on His name, and He deserves all praise, glory, and honor. He deserves all the bragging rights. But as we head out this morning, the challenge is to carry your light. Do not hide it. And do your job. Do your job. 
Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid of what someone may say in response. Don't be afraid of that at all. You've got Jesus on your side. You've got power in your corner. You've got the great I am, the one who was and is and is to come. You've got him exhorting you. You've got him comforting you. You've got him on your side. The Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says that he is always on your side as a dear child of God. So when you go out representing him as an ambassador of Christ, you can know fairly well that with each word you say when you share the gospel, you know fairly well that God is moving in it. Because as I quoted before, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is sharp and quick and powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And when you preach the name of Jesus, that name, that good news, it pierces their heart. It pierces their heart. You let God move, and he's going to do great things. Lord, we thank you for the morning you've given us, your grace and your mercy. God, it's very startling to, it's very startling to see the statistics we learned this morning. Lord, 2.6 billion people, they've never heard your name before. They've never heard your name before. And we see in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, we see salvation mentioned. We see how we can attain salvation, how we can go to heaven. But Lord, then we see in verses 14, 15, and 16, where it says, what needs done? It says, how shall they know without a preacher? And how shall that preacher go if he's not sent out? Lord, there's 2.6 billion people that need to hear you. And I pray, Lord, that we send forth laborers. I pray, God, that we remember to pray for laborers as you commanded. But then as we see in Matthew chapter 10, to now connect it all together, to not just pray, but to go out ourselves. Don't just pray, go. Don't just pray and go. And Lord, I pray we go. And Lord, we know that you're in our corner we know that you've got our back. We know, Lord God, that when we let you move, great things will happen. And so I pray, Lord God, that as we leave church today and as we enter the mission field, Lord, when there's an opportunity, I pray that we take it and that we share the gospel with them. And Lord, even if there's not an opportunity, even if someone just doesn't blatantly come up to us and say, I want to hear about Jesus, Lord, I pray that we make an opportunity. Lord, I pray that we have the mindset of having aggressive soul winning. I pray, God, that we have the aggressive mindset to go out and get them and compel them to come in. And I pray, Lord God, that we are aggressive with that, but always remember on the same matter that love needs to be coated all over the good news of Jesus Christ. Because as we saw in Matthew 9.35 and 36, that when you moved, you moved because you had compassion upon the lost. I thank you, Lord, for Eastside Baptist Church. Lord, please continue to bless this church in an amazing and mighty way. And we pray this all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Brother Corey's already challenged us in our hearts, and you continue to bow your heads and close your eyes. And think about what was preached, how it affected our heart, and to make a decision to do something about it. The Bible talks about asking. We heard that. Seeking. Sometimes we just fail. We, we go out and we don't even look for it, look for opportunities. But we're to seek. 
And then when those opportunities are there, we knock. We're to do something about it. And Brother Corey was right. We, we get uh, thoughts in our mind from Satan himself, why we can't and all the excuses. But let me just challenge you with this thought. If you are a Christian, and if you endeavor to know him and to serve him, the joy in life is sharing the gospel. That's where your life's at. Otherwise, you're going to default to what this world has to offer, and it's cheap and insignificant. So do yourself a favor and witness for Christ. and his family won't be able to join us for lunch. He's got something he has to attend to, so uh, greet him on his way out, and uh, may the Lord bless each family here. Father, thank you for your blessings in life. Thank you for the word of God that we can trust it. Help us to obey it and to do it, to love it, to love others, and to live for you, for we ask it in Jesus' name.